0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Visit a farm. Log on to Escapemaker.com for more ideas on local weekend getaways and day trips to orchards, farms, wineries, breweries, and more. Get out of the city and explore while also supporting your local farmers. Log on to Escapemaker.com now to get inspired and make your escape through the net.
0: Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: David is giving me the thumbs up from the engineer booth and I guess that means this is happening guys you have done it once again you have found your way to the heritage radio network we of course are coming to you from the back of Roberta's Pizza here in Bushwick Brooklyn and you're tuned in to the farm report Uh, we are kicking off the fall season um heading heading into um all things fall, and you know if you're like me and you're from northern Michigan, fall means you know pumpkins and squashes and the very last of the corn, and maybe if you're super lucky, a little bit of fruit here and there, and apples emerging. And um, But if you are like my guests, the fall means chiles, uh, New Mexico green chiles to be exact. I'm really excited to welcome the team from the Zia Green Chili Company to the studio, We've got uh, Nate Ivan, <laughs> <That was> like, <laughs> like a rich show Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were like talking before the show about maybe some potential name changes. So, guys, we're gonna go back and forth, and then just write us in, let us know uh, what you think, and then of course Cody. Um, guys, welcome to Heritage Radio Network.
3: Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
2: So we are like hot in the midst of uh, green chili season. Is that right?
3: Yeah, uh, green chili season, it's only harvested one time a year in the fall, usually as early from maybe mid to end of July, and then it can last as late as like mid to end of October. Um, so yeah, we're right in the heart of it, kind of that like end of August, early September, it really, really gets in the heart of it. And uh,
2: So now if like if you're a fresh chili lover um thanks to you guys really almost anywhere in the country folks can get a delivery of fresh green chilies but that doesn't mean now is the only time to eat them because really i think like the more traditional year-round way is to have them roasted and we're definitely going to go into that process but let us start at the beginning Nate, (laughs) you um founded the company uh you said with your Uh, now ex-girlfriends, a relationship (laughs) ended, but the (laughs) The business lives on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there was a, you know, spice in one area of your life here, I
3: guess.
2: (laughs) 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 Singers all around. So it was 2014. Tell me a little bit about why you were like, yes, the world needs more chilies and I am the guy to bring it to them.
3: Yeah, I mean, so my story, I guess, Cliff Notes version. Um, I was born in southern Colorado, but my mom is one of 17 children from this little town right north of Santa Fe called Española. 17 kids. 17 kids. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, Same two parents. Wow. uh, No no twins or anybody, and it's, yeah, it's very insane. So you'd branch that out and then branch out all the cousins who I am still even meeting. uh, I met one of my cousins out here who had just, like, graduated from NYU for the first time, I'd say, like, November of 2014. And it's, it's nuts, but, like, we've become pretty close. And like, uh, big
2: family problems. Yeah. I can, I can relate. My dad is 111, my mom's 1 of 9, and I'm 1 of 6. So it's like, oh, wow. yeah, I feel like we should get maybe some jackets made or something <laughs> like yeah it's like duels well, so i guess that's how it used to be right
3: yeah i mean i was uh just back in new mexico two or three weeks ago uh partly because it's like the beginning of the harvest and everything uh but also they were kind of having a family reunion so we all got together and it took literally a big high school gymnasium to be able to fit everybody I like that. It was, it was insane.
2: Green chilies were served, I'm sure.
3: Oh yeah, (laughs) of course.
2: Um, so you, you have some roots, uh, in New Mexico. Uh, We are talking about New Mexico green chilies today. Um, and, but still, I mean, how did you, what was the.
3: So like I said, I mean, I have those family roots down there and I'd spent a ton of my life and childhood out in New Mexico and. In New Mexico, these chilies are just so deep-rooted in, like, the history, the economy, the culture, just everything that that state of New Mexico is, and... You being like part of that, you grow up with these chilies as part of your blood. Like you put them on everything and anything and You bleed green. You do, you bleed green. (laughs) Or well that's that's the official state question, is red or green and reference or Christmas, which is like a combination of the two. So in New Mexico, Christmas goes year round and It's kind of awesome what
2: is this (laughs) magical place oh don't (laughs) even
3: yeah it's called the land of enchantment and we'll get more into that but yeah so um i had ended up moving out to the east coast maybe with my family at the end of my high school years and then that's where it kind of really hit us like we went out to dinner at like a mexican style place and My mom had ordered a dish, and she was like, yeah, I'll I'll have it smothered in Christmas, please. And the waiters just gave her, like, the blankest stare, and they had no idea what she was talking about. And she was like, okay, like, I'll just have it smothered in green. And then (laughs) they came out with this, like, green tomatillo salsa, and it kind of hit us that, like, okay, like, New Mexican food is very, very different and just not known. Right. I mean, yeah, these chilies are so under-celebrated, like unavailable outside of that general Southwest region. Um, So I'd originally like found my way up even Northern East uh, where I ended up meeting Ivan at school. We went to Syracuse University. After graduating there, I moved here to New York City. I had worked in finance, venture capital for a couple years and uh, had actually moved in with craigslist off this uh indian couple who are now two of my best friends but he had started one of the original companies at smorgasburg called bombay sandwich company so spent my weeks in finance my weekends like helping him at the markets there and just yeah kind of saw these crazy awesome opportunities about like what smorgasburg and brooklyn flea were opening up to early stage entrepreneurs in terms of sharing these unique kind of artisanal foods and then i I, you're like
2: let's do this well so for folks who aren't familiar with cody because i feel like this is a little bit your area of purview can you give us a little bit of a picture of like what uh you know smorgas is and like what happens there
4: um yeah i mean to be honest it's it's a really awesome opportunity that we're lucky to have out here in new york and being that there's millions of people there's always millions of people at this event um i mean you could have a similar event uh in some other city but i don't know how well it would work because here it's there's just so much interest in different food coming from different types of people whether it's just people that live here or just tourists tourism um looking for something fun and different and Smorgasburg, like nate was saying offers, offers that opportunity to launch something unique and different without having to you know find the capital for years and years to then go buy a brick and mortar and see if it works Here right you can so it's
2: basically just like a pop-up along the yeah, Brooklyn it's, waterfront it's that happens sort of what's the it runs like April through November
4: yeah sort of weather depending it's sort of ending depends but yeah it's a approximate dates and it's every weekend and I mean it's pretty much like just a whole bunch of food stands you know a lot of people are familiar with food trucks so if you just take away the truck and then you have a bunch of amazing food that's set up every day on uh The weekends and it's yeah it's it's definitely grown and kind of changed it's fun to see because i mean i had come out here and knew nate and visited some of the early days when he was working with bombay and to see it now it's like wow it's it's kind of a beast of amazing cuisines and different so uh, if we come by
2: like the zia stand what are we looking to get (laughs)
4: uh man we have some we have some uh great uh great offers now we've you know <laughs> over the times it's, it's been fun to see how we've kind of changed our menu we've made it uh we've tried to figure out what's what would work well for that market but also stay true to what we need to do to represent the southwest and new mexico um but also kind of make it work for people that you know again we're introducing this product so you don't yeah. You really want to slap them in the face with all this craziness, like here's something a little more approachable.
2: And it's competitive. I mean, you walk into Smorgas, and like, as a consumer, I'm looking around, and I've got, you know, whatever, 25 different vendors yeah. telling me they've got the latest delicious... And everything looks everything looks ramen, good. Everyone's curd, poutine, mm-hmm. burger. Yeah. You know, and you're like, well, uh, all right.
3: Yeah, gourmet mott sticks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those yeah. are pretty good though, yeah. <laughs> all right. About. So well the,
2: so obviously I mean you guys do a uh, a jarred roasted version of the green and the red chilies that folks can get there and that's the product that's available year round. And then, it sounds like there's kind of a rotating list of dishes people can come by and like try the chilies out in that way. Is
4: yeah, that right? I mean, we kind of a uh, couple staple items. I mean, the uh, the stuffed sopapilla. Um, a lot of people are familiar with sopapillas, just from like a traditional Tex-Mex restaurant. It's kind of your big pillowy, uh, semi-sweet dough that you get with like cinnamon and uh, uh,
3: sugar. sugar, sugar and sugar. yeah,
4: and uh, honey. But we've kind of taken the savory route, which is a little more traditional in uh, the New Mexican region. Um, and we've, I guess, kind of snagged, snagged uh, the credit from I think Nate's mother, who actually has some of these recipes. Shout uh, out, Mom. Yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> who were, you know, the backbone of the recipes. And you know, we really have just nailed it down to just creating really nice, um, like red chili chicken and red chili black bean options for stuffed sopapillas, um, sprinkle with some cheese, and then we smother it with the green chili at the end is kind of the, the hurrah at the end. It's like everything has the green chili on it, and.
2: Yes, Nice. 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 Um, All right. Well, so, okay. So you're working at Smorgasburg. You have this history, but still like, tell me about like that first trip down to New Mexico where you like, you're just like walk up to the like side of a field of chilies. You're like, Hey guys, <laughs> my name's Nate. I'd like to buy your chilies and bring them to New York city.
4: Wow. were you there?
3: The- <laughs> <or are> you- <laughs> yeah, no, it's hundred percent exactly how it went down. Um, Come on, really? <laughs> no, no, it's it's not. So, yeah, like Cody had said, we've been doing Smorgasburg, and we kind of started off just by providing that, like, authentic New Mexican cuisine to the region that you cannot find really anywhere around here. And as we started doing that, we started getting a little bit more attention. Like, we got picked up in Gothamist, and, like, even the, the Albuquerque News reported on us and everything, So we gained like a pretty decent following of uh, New Mexicans and people from the Southwest out here. And everybody would come up to us or write to us and say like, hey, this is amazing. This is even like a godsend in some cases that you're bringing this food. Um, But we had a lot of inquiries to, you know, get the chilies out here, too. So, we started thinking, and maybe toward the end of like last summer, we came up with the idea to, you know, make it in shelf stable jarred form. And the great thing about these products is that they're not a salsa, it's not a jarred sauce, it's the pure chilies that are roasted, peeled, and diced, and then naturally preserved in lime juice, garlic, and salt. Um, so, we put out, you know, runs of those that we have available year round, and I had had you know some contacts just through my family through the chili underground yeah the (laughs) chili the chili underground well (laughs) yeah but so I had had my contacts and everything and we thought it would be also a great idea during last harvest was the first harvest that we did it but to get chilies out like fresh from our network of farmers and growers that we work pretty closely with get them out here to New York City and roast them on the spot at smorgasburg and start supplying a lot of people because even even when you grow up in the southwest this harvest time is such a special time because it's like the only time these chilies are able to be harvested of course but you take my mom and i would say she's even like a pretty conservative new mexican in this standpoint but you only have these chilies available one time a year. So we would drive down to New Mexico and hatch and pick up like a few bushels of it. She would take them back home, roast them in the house, make the whole house smell like this. Oh, It's such an incredible smell. Mm. But then she would take all these roasted chilies and just like throw it in the freezer for, <laughs> to have for the stock for the entire year. And when all is said and done, it was maybe, like, between 50 to 100 pounds that wow. she just, like, has her stash of, you know? Yeah, so the that's, that's the
4: whole freezer. You know, right. It's not, right. This not is not the chili freezer. It's not the most convenient uh, form, and that's sort of the birth of the jar as well. It's, you don't have to dedicate an entire chest freezer to chili. You can have uh, the side of your fridge, you know, and kind of restock. And
2: you can get it, get it when you want it. Well, so... Um, let's talk a little bit about what makes a new Mexican green chili, you know, such a special thing. You mentioned hatch. So like Mm -hmm. the chilies that you're sourcing are coming from the hatch Valley. And, um, so is it the, the seed, like the genetics of the chili? Is it like the, the altitude, the climate, the region? Like, can I get, can I get a new Mexico green chili that I grow in upstate New York?
3: Yeah. So it, I mean, to briefly answer your question, it's a combination of, like, so many of those different types of things. Um, I mean, you could take the seed that's, like, kind of been perfected to get the strain of the type of New Mexico chili that you want and come and grow it out here. But when you boil it down to, like, the science of growing chili and everything, um, like, 76% at least of an individual, like, chili strains, pungency and flavor doesn't come like from the seed but from like the way that the plant interacts with the climate so out in new mexico so no aaron no you <laughs> couldn't so no, I, mean,
4: you, I mean you could, could but like you won't be, ever like, be yeah, able something to like, would be missing you want
2: the real chilies you gotta come
4: you you'd have new york air <laughs> yeah growing that plant versus yeah. the, you dangerous. know yeah um, <laughs>
2: so the chilies are they're grown out from seed it, it's a row crop they get Planted in the spring and then...
3: Yeah, uh, so like the life cycle of the chilies um, at planting, it takes place like between March and May usually, usually in the month of April, and then maybe two or three months after planting the seeds, uh, the seeds will begin to sprout, and at that time is when, you know, all of the plants have to be trimmed and everything... And then after the seeds have started to sprout, then maybe it takes another give or take like 35 to 50 days for those sprouts to really like mature and for the pods to start producing and everything. And during that time is, you know, just constantly monitoring the fields for diseases, for pests to make sure like they're getting an adequate amount of water that they need. And it, it's actually a very challenging crop. To grow. Yeah,
2: that's what I've read. They're a little susceptible to, to disease and pests. And apparently, birds can't taste the heat of the chili, which mm-hmm. I was like surprised to learn.
3: Yeah, but I guess it's all, I guess, thanks to birds that we really have these chilies in the first place. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> Genesis and the book of chili, to my understanding, like goes back 9,000 years to wow. uh, really like the Incas who used to just have all these like little pungent red chili berries like growing everywhere and eventually birds like took these seeds and were able to spread them like up north to central america and up in north america and everything and then you had like uh christopher columbus coming out and originally looking for pepper and then he found these like berries but It's funny, because, like, he called them pepper, and that's, like, where you have the combination of, like, chili pepper. Mm -hmm. But, like, the chilies, like, weren't a pepper, so that was, like, kind of created around there. But then, like, yeah, the Spanish...
2: Another thing to be mad at Christopher Columbus about.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) But then the Spanish found their way out into New Mexico, I guess, in, like, the 1500s, where they were already, like, indigenously uh, growing these chilies, mainly for... You know, personal uses, like culinary uses and everything, and uh, also medicinal purposes too. But it wasn't really until like the early 1900s that you had an Austrian immigrant um, come in. His name was Joseph Franzoi, and he was actually really the first commercial farmer down in Hatch. And it's all kind of thanks to him that like Hatch Valley is really the chili capital of the world and that these are commercially available too.
2: I, that's why I feel like every Google search I went through was like, "Yeah, chili capital of the world." I'm like, yeah. All right, guys. Um, so uh, I think the other th- interesting fact about the New Mexico green chilies is that they are hand harvested, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty special thing. And then in in hatch, like Labor Day, is the big kind of chili festival it's when everyone kind of gets together and
3: yeah yeah i'll be uh going down there next week actually uh for that and for a few other things but um yeah last year we'd sponsored part of the chili festival and it it's a cool thing like you had people from all over the nation and world who just have this love of these hatch chilies that come down and, you know, it's like kind of a dinky little festival, but it's awesome. Like you have a bunch of the different growers roasting there. The moment you go into hatch, just like you get that smell that lasts with you the entire weekend. And it's, uh, it, it's really an amazing smell. And the
2: roasting is like an important part of the process because ultimately the chilies fresh don't hold very well. Mm-hmm. Like, so you roast them ultimately so you can have them year round to use. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's they're definitely like a fragile crop, and that's partly why when we're at Smorgasburg and people come up, kind of look at you funny, like they almost disbelieve, like, is this really from southern New Mexico? Because it doesn't leave that region very often, and it's difficult to have it leave that region without right. it. You know, I mean, without a network of you know, people shipping overnight stuff that's just really not developed yet, it's not like it's an apple that's grown in South America that we bring up. and
2: That so you see in every supermarket, yeah, so everywhere in the country, so yeah. So it's,
4: it's, it's fragile in that, that uh, regard. So that's, I guess, yeah, the roasting um, comes in place where you can make it last. And also, it's amazing that way. So
2: adds a whole other kind of culinary aspect to it, too, I'll bet. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we need to take a short break to send mucho thanks i did there a little spanish (laughs) to our sponsor to our sponsor um we of course are in the studio with the team from zia green chili company um and we are talking new mexico green chilies hang tight we'll be back in just a moment
1: Visit a farm. Log on to EscapeMaker.com for more ideas on local weekend getaways and day trips to orchards, farms, wineries, breweries, and more. Or come by EscapeMaker's Blue Tent in Grow NYC's Green Markets and pick up a guide to local agritourism escapes to the Green Market's own farmers and producers. What's agritourism? Any type of agriculturally based operation or activity that brings visitors to a farm. EscapeMaker offers a variety of overnight packages in the Hudson Valley, Catskills region, Finger Lakes, and more, doing all the work for you to immerse you with the locals and provide a full experience. No car? No problem. EscapeMaker features plenty of ideas for car free getaways, including discounts via Amtrak. Get out of the city and explore, while also supporting your local farmers. Log on to EscapeMaker.com now to get inspired and make your escape through the net.
2: Awesome. Well, we are back. Uh, you, of course, are listening to the Farm Report. We are talking about that green chili life. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the the kind of green, as in dollar bills, uh, behind the company. And for that, I'm going to switch over to the, the money man. Uh, Ivan, the third part <laughs> of our trio here. So uh, you are a self-declared, is it KPMG?
5: K- yeah. All right. it sounds like a radio station. I mean, KUNG is there, yeah. right? hunting <laughs> for a radio station. Yeah.
2: So, that you, so you're, um, you know, you're kind of in the second space of uh, your career, looking at doing accounting and finances for a small chili company. So, tell me, like, you know, how were they able to lure you away?
5: Hmm, mm-hmm. that's a good <laughs> question. Um, Like
2: unlimited (laughs) chilies it's funny because
5: when nate first told me that he started like this company around green chili we joke that like green chili if you're from like the northeast means like stew beef yeah beans like that's literally what i thought yeah Yeah, and i was like for whatever freak reason it's green (laughs) but he sold me on, like, the cultural significance of it, so, like, I I came and tried it out, and I was like, this is not what I was thinking. This product is actually, like, really, really cool. And immediately, I was like, we have to get this packaged. Um, And so we've, like, had, had so many discussions about that, but that's really where I saw the future of it is, like, this isn't just, like, a food stand. This isn't just, like, a restaurant concept. This is something that belongs in, like anybody's fridge right and uh it's like to me it's like similar to a sriracha mm-hmm. in the sense that anybody can use it and uh and so that was what was really cool to me And that's where i saw like the future and like maybe the the future monetary impact of it um because like i literally got addicted to it you were it. like oh this yeah. is like easy oh. i get yeah. it i know
2: how to use it well yeah, i think like too like unlike sriracha, which you know, no shades of sriracha. But the thing I think is so cool about the New Mexico green chili and kind of your story is it's a very specific agricultural crop. It's like mm-hmm. this opportunity to talk about a time and a place and uh, you know agriculture and culinary mm-hmm. lineage that is is really specific. Um, And it's one product and they have a special time of year. And I just love kind of like those stories and those connections. But I've been like, people are always like, yeah, I want to start my own business doing like X, Y, Z. What do you think were some of the things that kind of maybe Nate did right at the beginning? And then some of the things that are kind of challenges for you guys now from just like, Mm. you know, paying the bills, like. Get in the growing the company, like how how do you kind of think around that type of strategy and development?
5: I mean, I think we from the point where we joined, it was like very small at that point. Yeah. And so it really was like he was selling us on this vision. And he was like, but you know what? Like where we are now it can't really sustain us but we're all gonna like take the leap of faith right uh and it was like from day one from the point like I joined on it like grew and then when Cody joined it like grew even more and like it's just been constant growth but like it's definitely been a lot of hard work it's mm-hmm. been a lot of trying things it's been especially that first year it's like hey we're not gonna get paid you know for like a little while because like we're trying to put our money into this and like that's kind of scary because you're in New York and it's is very expensive. Yeah, well, city. how did you
2: guys pay for your rent? I mean, how did you do we, it? Can like,
4: we skip over that part? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think. There I were do some things that I we mean, had to I do. I don't do need
5: that, to do choices. <laughs> <that>, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Craigslist was very important. Let's just, say, know, <laughs> the, yeah.
4: uh, Let's just say we're happy to be on the <laughs> Heritage Radio Network.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like in all honesty, I do think, you know, so I feel like one thing that happens to um, small brands. Is, you know, people see you out at smorgas They see, oh, they got these cool jars with this, like, nice logo. And they're, like, moving stuff around. They're like, oh, you're rich now.
5: Yeah, um, yeah. Nope.
2: and um, <laughs> you know that is just rarely the case, and I and I think too it's like just important to touch a little bit on like yeah like we had savings or we were working two jobs or like I, I think it's good for people to like hear yeah th- some of those stories. So I mean, and if it's Craigslist um, and it's you know not <laughs> not G-rated. fit for yeah. yeah, I mean it is internet radio, <laughs> so we have some leeway. But right. um, to the extent that you guys um, you know want to share a little bit about like you know pouring yourself into the business in whatever way that 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 happens you know
5: I think it was a mixture of running on whatever savings we had uh running on the little money we could spare and really you had to like cut the amount of money you were spending on like excess really
2: no more seventeen-dollar uh, yeah,
5: cocktails. Exactly. Yeah, or at least
4: just one. You know? <laughs> yeah. A lot of pre-gaming. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know for myself, I had, I moved back to New York, and I mean, I knew these guys. I met Ivan mean, just before I had left for a brief little bit, and was good buddies with Nate. And I think coming back into it for me, I was like that whole like, okay, savings, looking at the budgets, and here's what we're eating, and that's that. Uh, but also just from the company point, knowing what the product is and then knowing who these who these gentlemen are, you know, right. kind of knowing their skills and realizing I know I can trust them from different standpoints of just getting stuff done when it really kind of sucks to have to do something or just if it's strictly knowledge based. You know, I, the accounting world, it's like it's great to have Ivan on board because it's like that's not my it's not my thing. Sure. So it's, you know, knowing you're in a company, it's maybe tough struggles, but the skills we all kind of the trio can put together really helps climb through those hard points. And, you know, hopefully we'll get to a point where we can enjoy, enjoy this and maybe other
2: green chili. I mean, (laughs) green chili
4: rice is great, but (laughs) we'll see.
2: Um, What about with the, the producers and the farmers that you're working with? I mean, how are chili prices set? Is that a thing that obviously it's an agricultural product, so it depends on kind of like harvest and market and And how does that work for you guys when you're looking at your purchasing relationships and working with farmers?
3: Yeah, I mean, the growers that we work with, you know, we're very fortunate to have had these relationships with them for a pretty decent amount of time. So we're able to get them on good enough wholesale prices to be able to make it economical to get them out here to the East Coast and still be able to get it out to, you know, not only are like end buyers and the people who we sell to by the pound, but also a few like grocery stores and retailers out here too, that, you know, I mean, the season comes along and it, it does become pretty desired for a lot of places to want to stock it. But there's that whole cost of it. Cause it's like, yeah, and the timing and yeah. And the timing, cause to ship it out here, I mean, you have to a get it picked, but then, in order to avoid it going bad in transit, you have to put it on like a two or three day air freight at least. Right. And then, I mean, shipping shipping is really like what will kill it for a lot of people. So, I guess like us having these relationships, um, and two, I mean, we're bringing a lot back to them as well, and we're all working together. In order to fight the good fight, you know? Yeah.
2: Spread, the, spread the chili love. Well, we are um, winding down a little bit here. That always happens, like, faster than I think it's going to. Um, one of the... I want to um, share some fun chili facts with our listeners,
4: yes, um, hear the chili facts music.
2: It's time for <laughs> chili facts. Um, so I have a couple written down here, but I thought maybe we would just kind of go around and share fun chili facts that you guys might have gleaned in your in your time in the chili business. Um, but before we do that, I have one quick question: green chili, red chili, what's the difference?
3: Well. It, So it's actually the same uh, individual chili pepper, but as green chili grows and matures throughout the harvest, it will end up turning red. And when it turns red, um, it develops kind of like a sweeter flavor that is usually a little bit milder, but has this like earthy underlying spice at the end too.
2: So you just pick it later?
3: Uh, yeah, it's just like picked later. And, uh, there are some differences too, between like the North of New Mexico and the South of New Mexico. Cause they do have like very different climates. I mean, Northern New Mexico is up so high, like 7,000 plus feet. And, uh, because of there, they have, like, a shorter growing season, and the chilies matured a lot faster because it's more, like, kind of mountainous, like, rocky soil that they grow in. Um, red chili is a little bit more, like, prominent up there, whereas down south, it's much more, like, moderate temperatures and climates and everything, and uh, that's where... I guess, you know, it's yeah. a lot more commercial and And how
2: spicy, I, I lied when I said it one question. I have a second question. A follow up. Because people always want to know when you're talking about chilies, like, is it spicy? Especially my people from the Midwest
3: were like, is it spicy? Yeah. How spicy? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the great thing about them is, uh, you know, you grow different strains of them that each have their own different pungency um, and level of heat to them, too. Uh, in general, I mean, even the really, really hot strains, it's a much different type of heat in terms of like it's a very flavorful spice, and it won't just ruin your entire mouth like a habanero or a jalapeno would or anything. It's, it hurts, but it's really good. This is chili really shade. Good, you know? Chili yeah. shade. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's share some fun chili facts. Uh, Cody, you want to kick us off?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess an off-the-chart chili fact is do not clean and peel your chilies with your bare hands and then decide to maybe itch your eye or maybe, oh, you get a little something. You, you don't wash your hands first because you will definitely feel that.
2: Is there anything you can do to other than just uh, wait and kind of moan softly?
4: I mean, at that point, no. You, I mean, your character building from there on <laughs> out, which is nice. <laughs> Um, beforehand you can be proactive and throw on some gloves I so I chilies are hot good. yeah, yeah. so really there's chilies good. are hot but in yeah. your
2: mouth and on your hands is, and on your body nice
4: to maybe have gone through that and feel like you kind yeah. of your, earn your stripes That's true. and you're gonna burn your eyes one We're real time you times. remember
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what about you ivan any uh chili facts or tips
5: well my tips would be put it on
4: everything
2: because nice. that's
5: what I do. I wake Spoken up in the morning, like
2: true. <laughs> it's in my
5: eggs, it's in my sandwich, and if I go to a restaurant, I have a jar with me, and that's yeah, what everybody
4: should do. We've been known yeah. to just come to restaurants with our own <laughs> Yeah, own it's kind of a joke. And
5: we yeah. don't even do that as a marketing ploy. We, we just, just kind want, of want it.
4: chili with our food, <laughs> yeah.
2: so. Did you guys send some to Beyonce after Lemonade dropped? You're mm. like, No, but we, we made a better girl.
5: lemonade <laughs> than her album. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was oh. just saying.
4: Prickly pear cactus lemonades goes pretty far.
2: Uh, Nate, how about you? Chili tips and tricks? Uh,
3: I guess mine's more of just like a cool fact in terms of the way that I like, at least I like to think about chili. Um, It's just such a special thing, you know, like it goes much more beyond just using it on enchiladas or something like you take the individual chili pepper and you can learn so much from it. Like you learn the chemistry around the chilies by like the way that you get different pungencies from different strains. You learn about overalls of like physics from the ways that you can engineer different colors and, you know, different colors, not only natural, but also they're used like ornamental and ristras throughout New Mexico and everything. Yeah. Ristras. So when chilies turn red, um, normally people will like dry them out and crush them into powder flakes, or otherwise, they'll kind of like string them it into these wreaths, uh, which are
4: like a cascading, like a cascading, long, yeah, very New Mexican, almost Christmas like decoration. a chili wreath, yeah, thing. long yeah. that you haven't made into yeah. a circle. I think yeah. it's yeah,
3: yeah. But so you know, you learn all that, and then you break it down to economics, and you can learn about economics by just the whole chili marketplace and everything. So. Yeah, it's this crop, but it's, like, so special in so many ways. And it is truly, like, yeah, a product of the land of enchantment. Like, it's grown almost down in the middle of the desert, you See, know? I thought that it's was just, like, so the
2: peyote cool. kind of <laughs> tripping New Mexico <laughs> <laughs> land of enchantment. But chilies, too. too. Um, well, I have a bunch that I wrote down because I was just, like... Um, I was really uh, surprised by the, some of the health benefits of chili. So, mm. um, a couple things that jumped out at me: one, uh, kind of fresh, medium-sized uh, New Mexico green chili has the vitamin C equivalent of six oranges. Mm-hmm. Which,
4: um, which is just to give a visual for the radio, I guess. What that's just shy of a, like a foot. I mean, they, these things can be pretty big, so they're not like your, you know, small little chili. They're, they're, they're pretty big.
2: They're like. That's, how, that's how, you know, yeah. a, a decent-sized enchilada. <laughs> um, a teaspoon of dry red chili is uh, the equivalent of your vitamin A needs for the day. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't know. Apparently, they feed flamingos, red chilies, to make them pink.
3: Yeah, that. And uh, they use a lot of... I mean, New Mexico is also huge in growing paprika. And uh, paprika, you know is a big cash bringer to a lot of growers really because of like the coloring agents that it has so they'll mainly I guess they do it with red chili too but mainly paprika the they'll paprika. feed flamingos well, but that, yeah. i
4: think on the record the zia boys think flamingo should be fed their their true shrimp diets not, no, not fake <laughs> not fake coloring not but, fake but coloring. i mean it is a natural yeah. coloring it's not really fake but it's still you know i don't know i don't know those worlds you know, flamingo people calling us <laughs>
2: flamingo and, pink yeah. No flamingos were the harmed in yeah, the making of this radio right. <laughs> um well on that color extract tip too that the apparently um Oftentimes uh red chili will be used as a coloring agent um in some of the less savory aspects of the meat world also um for the ladies and uh lipstick wearing gents out there uh in different types of lip products lipsticks glasses um stains incorporate chilies too so hmm. um you just i guess you just really never know where the chilies are gonna show up
4: yeah yeah I mean <laughs> in the end, if you just kind of incorporate it in your in your meals it it's you know, you're gonna get a lot of vitamins that you don't even know about.
5: I've so been walking great.
2: around with a 16 ounce jar in his back pocket. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm right. Right ready. He's packing <laughs> heat. He's packing heat.
5: Always yeah. oh, exactly. <laughs> packing, even here in the fire in
2: Um Well, I am super excited. Thank you guys for bringing in some stuff for uh, myself and the team to share it's been really interesting kind of learning a little bit more about chilies and uh thanks for coming out today thank you
3: for having us yeah, thank yeah, you thanks Aaron that was great. this was great
2: so uh if you're out there and you want to learn more or uh get a delivery of limited time uh, uh fresh chilies you can find out more by visiting their website com. that is chili with an e not an i um and you can also follow them um you know, on any of your favorite social media feeds, uh, same thing, their handle is Zia green chili co. Um, so definitely check them out. Um, hang tight. We are going to take one more short break and we come back. We're going to wrap up the show with our escape maker segment. We'll be right back. We are back, and of course, you know what time it is. It's time for our Escape Maker segment. Um, Today, we're heading up to Yorktown Heights, New York. We are on the phone with Lou Munz. Lou is the farm director at Hilltop Hanover Farm. Lou, welcome to the show.
6: Well, thanks, Erin. I'm very delighted to be on the show today. Thank you. So, folks, because my listeners are
2: very astute, they will note that I said farm director, not farmer. So can you give us a little bit of a lowdown? Low um, Hilltop Hanover Farm is not your traditional farm.
6: No, it's not. Um, the farm uh, is historic. It dates back about 400 years. It was part of one of the uh, original English land grants. And then um, it's gone through a tremendous history of of different farming operations. Um, It was actually a, um, at the turn of the century, it was actually an egg farm for the Barrel Timer family who owned the Eagle Pencil Company in New York City. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, and uh, and then it was a preeminent dairy farm in the 20s up until the mid-70s. Uh, and some of the most expensive cows were actually purchased from this farm and shipped worldwide, um, more for a breeding operation. And then the bottom fell out of the milk market, and smaller farms. And this was a—we're only about 45 minutes from Midtown, and this region here was a huge dairy region before it became uh, a suburb, uh, where housing became much more lucrative than farming, and. Um, the property was originally 450 acres. It's now 187. Um, was purchased in 2003 by the County of Westchester for land preservation, preservation of our her- agricultural heritage, and preservation of um, the New Croton Watershed, which is New York City's drinking water. Um, but uh, and that was because a lot of farmers can't make it work um, in these smaller areas, and so but we. In combination with a not-for-profit, have developed uh, many farming operations and educational programs here at the farm, and we have a um, we have a 150-member CSA program. We have food banks and food pantries that we help support. Uh, we have one of the few you pick vegetable farms in the area.
2: Oh, I love those! What kind of stuff can folks pick?
6: Sue, so we try to plant it um, seasonally because the other aspect of our farm that we're really trying to get people to connect with is is getting connected with their farmer, like know your farmer, know your food, um, that the USDA promotes. And people have lost that seasonality; like they just think that okay, it's February, I still can buy tomatoes. Right. Well, so we so we do. Um, We start the early season with snow peas and sugar snap peas, Uh, then we move on to beans. People can pick their own carrots out of the ground, beets, Swiss chard, kale. Um, the big winner last year was, and this year has been potatoes. Actually, digging your own potatoes out of the ground. Families come and flock to <laughs> us, and it's like a, it's sort of like a oh Easter egg hunt on steroids, actually. <laughs> yeah, so.
2: no, I feel like you're giving me like flashbacks. My, I lived one town over from a, a big kind of potato producing uh-huh. region in northern Michigan, and you know it was a kind of area where kids would be off from school for you know peak harvest of potatoes and so like the idea of picking potatoes for fun I'm like all right yeah get it well, get, guess, get yeah, after I guess,
6: it i guess if i'm not doing it you know 24 hours a day i guess it could be fun i don't know
2: <laughs> yeah no i it's like all the kind of classic things like your mom makes you do my mom yeah. made me do when i was a kid and i was like Ugh, i hate this picking and now you definitely like find me um i can't not stop at any kind of road roadside you pick opportunity one of the things i thought um looked really interesting from your website and something that I also could use you guys do kind of classes and um, teaching around backyard farming can you tell me a little bit more about that
6: yeah, so, you know, a lot of folks, you know, we're missing this generation of farmers, if you will, because, um, you know, uh, our food industry has changed so much, but a lot of folks want to get back to their own backyard farming, whether it's beekeeping or backyard chickens or even learning how to grow their own produce. So um, we have been providing classes and workshops over the last several years uh, for folks to attend on just how to do that. Um, uh, the Big one has been actually backyard uh, chickens, um, and and the, there's also in the last six months there's been a very big resurgence in beekeeping, um, and so we offer these classes, and you know on average we have about between twenty and fifty people attend, wow. depending on the interest. Sure, sure. Uh, and some families actually come with their children, especially if they want to do a backyard garden and don't know where to start. That would be me. Yeah, and also, and then what kind of evolved is, you know, uh, over the last several years, okay, now I've shown you how to grow your own tomatoes and beets. I really probably should show you how to put that stuff up and do canning. And so we've offered a lot of preservation classes as well.
2: So how far did you say you guys are from Midtown?
6: We're about 45 minutes from Midtown. There you go, New
2: Yorkers. No excuses. (laughs) Um, Hop on up. Um, Wow, Lou, I I think this is so cool, and I'm always such a big fan. Um, You know, it's so nice to hear kind of success stories around um, watershed protection and farmland protection. You guys are a nonprofit. Um, You know, folks, if they want to learn more, can visit hilltophanoverfarm.org. What are the things that are kind of critical to keeping your operation healthy from like a fiscal standpoint, and how can folks get involved like that?
6: Well, we we really need um, you know obviously people coming to the farm stand is a huge support, but we also have fundraisers several times a year, and this year we're having one. Um, uh, in October, we had one last year, it's a farm-to-table dinner, um, it's actually in honor of a former farmer who sadly passed away last year at the age of 37 from liver cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so we're um, having a um, uh, dinner again this year to honor him, and we're developing a scholarship program uh, in his honor here at the farm for new farmers. And um some of the money from those, that event will also go to his two young children for their college funds. We're also having a square dance event um, just right after that, and we do uh, fall events. Um, so for families attending and also becoming a member, we have um, membership opportunities here uh, as low as $50 a year for a single and 75 for a family, and that helps support us because one of our other missions is Giving back to food pantries and soup kitchens, and last year we gave 14,000 pounds of produce to to food pantries and local soup kitchens. Wow! Which which equates equates to about fifty thousand dollars worth of fresh, organically grown produce that they don't really have access to. Um, So we're very proud of that. And when this year we started taking um, there's farm market. basically vouchers, um, that uh, it's kind of like food stamps or, or WIC. And uh, we started taking that. And now we are certified to actually take WIC for um, food stamps for fresh produce. So uh, we're very excited about that. Um, and we're so the, – the, the property is quite beautiful. When you come here, you feel like you're in Vermont because there's these rolling <laughs> hills. And on a clear day, we can see the Freedom Tower. Wow! Yeah, and at night you can see the GW Bridge and you can see all the lights of the city. It's really quite amazing.
2: Okay, I'm sold. I'm sold. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, Lou, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of peek. Um, I definitely recommend folks kind of uh, marking their calendars, making a trip up for the fundraiser in October or getting involved some other point during the year. And huge thanks to Escape Maker, as always, for putting you guys on our radar, and they are a great stop, EscapeMaker.com, if you want to plan your own kind of uh, farm getaway if you're located here in New York
6: City. Can I put in a plug for some of the other local farms as well? Uh, Yeah, girl. Well, so there are uh, at least 15 other local farms in the Westchester County area, uh, all offering different um, opportunities for picking and harvesting a lot of apple orchards, um, some fresh meat and produce. Um, and we actually have something we've been working on called the Westchester-grown farm trail. And many of the sites, including ours, many of these farms are also part of Taste New York program. Um, So you can come up for the day. There's some fabulous, beautiful towns. A lot of the uh, farms here are supported by a lot of local restaurants. So there's a lot of farm-to-lunch and or dinner opportunities and shopping. And you don't have to go far. Like I said, we're only... You know, 45-minute drive from Midtown, and then you can stay in the region and have fun uh, visiting all the other places and and, um, cultural sites in in the area as well.
2: And come back with a bounty load of good produce. You got it. Awesome. Lou, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real treat.
6: Erin, thanks for the opportunity and hope to see a lot of folks here.
2: All right, guys. Once again, that was Hilltop Hanover Farm. You can find them at hilltophanoverfarm.org. Visit our friends at Escapemaker.com to plan a trip today. Like she said, no excuses. Right outside the city, lots of beautiful stuff. Thank you so much for listening. You've made your way to the end of another episode of The Farm Report. If you like what we do, thank you. That is awesome. One way uh, that really helps us and helps other people find the show is if you leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast, another way to show your love is to make a donation, become a member. You can find us at www.heritageradionetwork.org. You click that beating heart and uh, you know, toss us a couple bucks. Every, every dollar, every cent helps. Um, also a great time to check out all 30 plus of our other great weekly shows. So that's what I got for you. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned in.
5: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website